I want, I want, I want me, 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 mine, 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 now, now, now. You know you're responsible for what you hear. You know you're responsible for what you hear. Greetings and welcome to Thoughts from Meharry Head, the weekly podcast where I talk about, well, whatever happens to be bouncing around inside my head at the moment, but mostly focusing on constitutional issues and political decentralization. This is a bonus episode of Thoughts from Meharry Head, and I appreciate you tuning in. In this episode, I'm going to explain nullification. I've got a little something extra for you this week, a bonus episode of Thoughts from My Hairy Head. How about that? Everybody likes bonuses, right? Well, here you go. Here's your bonus episode. And the reason I decided to do this, a couple of weeks ago, I appeared on a show called Good Government Forum uh, on 1180 AM in Reno, Nevada. And Mon Bertolucci is the host of that show, and he basically gave me the opportunity to explain in a nutshell the principles of nullification and the practical application of nullification and how we can use it today to roll back overreaching federal power. And the interview turned out really good. I was very pleased. And so I was trying to figure out, well, what's a good way to share this? And I thought, well, heck, I'll just make it an episode of the podcast and and we can get it out there that way. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to let it play from the very beginning of the segment that I was on. It's about 30 minutes long, but again, I think you'll enjoy it. It's a little bit different format than what I normally do, my normal 10-minute podcast, but I think this is worth getting out there, and I think it's good information, and I hope you enjoy it. So here we go. Hey, everybody. Gather around. I'm here to give you anything you like. You want free college, energy, mortgages, (laughs) whatever you like. You have come to the right place. Why? I'll tell you why. Who can take your money? Who can take your money? With a twinkle in their eye. A twinkle in their eye. Take it all away and give it to some other guy. The government. The government. The government can. The government can. Good morning. This is Good Government Forum. Morning edition. And uh, it's good to be back. This is where we promote responsible government one issue at a time. And this is where we uncover the waste, fraud, abuse, corruption, and extortion of government. Today we have a special guest. I've alluded to uh, this before. We have Michael Meharry from the Tenth Amendment Center out of California. The reason I'm introducing this concept today, we'll be talking about nullification against federal overreach. People often ask, well, what is the solution? You tell us what the problem is. We've got a a government-sanctioned counterfeiting operation known as the Federal Reserve. We're not going to talk about uh, that today, but we have uh, issues with 
debt, deficit, fraud, deceit out of Washington, D.C. We have the EPA. Uh, I mean, the list goes down the line. Uh, people are getting tired of big government. So how do we solve the issue of big government? How do we push back against big government? Um, and this is what the Tenth Amendment Center is all about. And what, Mike, what I want to talk about today is not only nullification, but I want to talk, also have you talk about somewhere, if we have time, talk about the uh, supremacy clause in the U.S. Constitution, because that seems to put up some, uh, well, that causes some issue or some concern, maybe. Anyway, I'm going to turn it over to Mike. Mike's going to tell us all about uh, the Tenth Amendment Center and the issue of the theory of nullification and how that works. Go ahead, Mike. Can you go? Yeah, good morning. Uh, can you hear me fine? Everything sure. sound good? Yes. Outstanding. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to uh, be on this morning, and I am the National Communications Director for the Tenth Amendment Center, and we're based out of Los Angeles, California, but I'm actually in, in Kentucky. And uh, the underlying philosophy of everything we do at the Tenth Amendment Center can be summed up in basically one sentence, and that's follow the Constitution, every issue, every time, no exception, and no excuses. And, uh, of course, that sounds great, but like you said, the question that always comes up is, uh, well, how do you make the federal government do that? Because, obviously, uh, the federal government that we have today bears absolutely no resemblance to the uh, government that people like James Madison promised that we would have. You know, he said that the... Uh, the federal government would essentially be limited to a few specific roles, and the majority of authority would remain with the states and the people. And we have the exact opposite in the United States today. We have the uh, federal government controlling virtually everything we do in our lives, everything from, from you know, the amount of water in our toilets to what kind of light bulbs we screw into our fixtures. So uh, the, the system that was promised, the system that was designed by the founding generation has been completely abandoned, and the question always comes up, well, you know, we've got this Constitution. How in the world do we make the federal government follow it? And, you know, it's, it's like anything. You need an enforcement mechanism, and there was one that was built into the system, and unfortunately, the, uh, the American people have failed to use that system, and that's the power of, of state government to essentially block and uh, thwart and ultimately stop unwarranted federal actions. And that's through this, this process that uh, you've alluded to called nullification. And I'm not going to get real deep into the, uh, the, the kind of constitutional philosophy behind it today because I, I want to focus more on the practical aspect of it, exactly how we can do it. You know, people want nuts and bolts, not philosophy. But uh, the, the quick nutshell uh, of philosophy, uh, philosophically of nullification, is rooted in two documents that were written by Thomas Jefferson and James Madison back in 1798, known as the Kentucky and Virginia Resolutions. And these were in response to uh, one of the first major federal overreaches, the Alien and Sedition Acts. And the Sedition Act was the worst of these, of these four laws, and it essentially outlawed criticizing the federal government. You know, it doesn't take a constitutional scholar to understand that uh, outlawing criticism of the government has a, you know, a little bit of a, of a problem when you look at the First Amendment. So Jefferson and Madison wrote these two documents in, in the Kentucky Resolutions, which were written by Jefferson, 
were passed by the Kentucky legislature and the Virginia resolutions were passed by the Virginia legislature. And basically what they said was that the states created the federal government, that ultimately the states were in control of the system, and that they had not only the right but the duty to nullify or to interpose to stop uh, unwarranted federal action. That's any action that is outside of the bounds of the Constitution. And, of course, this is wildly controversial, and, and uh, like I said, we could, we could debate the, uh, the constitutional issues, and, and I would win that debate almost every time because it's, not, it's, it's a lot more cut and dry than people want to admit. But uh, if people are interested in knowing more than that, and this is my, my, uh, my shameless self-promotion, I, I have written a book called Our Last Hope, which is a uh, philosophical, historical, and moral case for nullification. And that can be found at my personal website, michaelmeharry.com, uh, or on Amazon. And, you know, that, that'll give you the, the kind of constitutional basis. But like I said, I really want to get into the nuts and bolts. And, you know, nullification, you can kind of look at it in two different ways. There's a legal definition, and that's what a judge does. If a judge strikes down a law, he nullifies it in, in a legal sense. It's wiped off of the books. But then there's also nullification, which you would look at in a practical sense. Uh, the law may still be on the books, but it's unenforceable. It's void. It's of no effect. And when we talk about nullification at the Tenth Amendment Center, that's really what we're talking about. Uh, I know in today's society, you're never going to uh, convince anybody that a state has a mechanism to wipe a law off the books. But states certainly do have the power to make a law uh, unenforceable and nullified in effect. And we use that term a lot at the Tenth Center, nullified in effect. In other words, it may still be on the books, but it's unenforceable. And if it's unenforceable, it's basically irrelevant. And interestingly, uh, James Madison gave us this blueprint before the Constitution was even ratified, and it's in Federalist 46. When you read Federalist 46, you will find that Madison said, uh, answering the question, what will we do? if the federal government uh, exercises powers that were not delegated to it. Madison said the means of opposition are powerful and at hand. And he listed off several different things that uh, a state could do uh, to push back uh, against unwarrantable federal actions. And he actually said not only unwarrantable actions, but warrantable actions that just happened to be unpopular that states could do this. And one of the main things that he points out is a refusal to cooperate with officers of the union, basically just saying, no, we're not going to cooperate with this law. We're not going to enforce this law. We're not going to take any action to implement what you're trying to do. And he said that, that if one state did this, it would create uh, impediments to what the federal government wants to do. But he said if two or more, or several states do this together, he said it could create obstructions, which the federal government would hardly be willing to encounter. So this is a blueprint. And this is what the founding generation intended. They intended for the states to serve as a check on federal power. And there's all kinds of quotes and, and, and writings where they allude to this fact. And again, this is something we've completely abandoned. The states have basically become uh, you know, subservient little entities that do whatever the federal government says, but they don't have to do that. And if they refuse to do it, then we can nullify, in effect, these types of, of unwarranted action. And the reason that this works is the fact that the federal government requires state assistance to do almost everything that it does. In fact, if you remember the, the stupid uh, 
partial government shutdown a few years ago, you know, when they closed the parks and put a put a barrier up so you couldn't drive up to Mount Mount Rushmore and other ridiculous things like that. Uh, at that time, the, uh, the American Association of Governors sent a letter to the uh, federal government. They talked about the fact that uh, that state action is utilized and required to do almost everything the federal government does. So if that's the if that's the case, then by refusing state action, we can effectively stop everything that the federal government does. So uh, let me let me give you an example of, of how this has worked in effect and uh, how we've seen it actually play out in real life. And this is in the, the realm of marijuana legalization. And, you know, as a listener, you may or may not approve of marijuana, and that's not really relevant to the conversation. The important thing to understand is the federal government has zero authority to prohibit marijuana across the United States. This isn't. This isn't. This is not debatable in any way, shape, or form. And if you doubt me, just ask yourself the question: Why did it require a constitutional amendment to prohibit alcohol? Well, because there's no, there was no authority given to the federal government to do that, and there was no federal authority for the federal government to prohibit marijuana either. So, back in 1996, I believe it was the uh, state of California passed a voter uh, referendum. And they legalized medical marijuana. And so what did the federal government do? Well, the federal government cracked down, and they upped the, uh, the raids as the medical marijuana clinics opened. And ultimately, there was a Supreme Court case that's pretty well known, uh, U.S. versus Raich, in which the Supreme Court basically upheld uh, marijuana prohibition, and they said that the, uh, the federal government could indeed regulate uh, six plants growing in some poor woman's backyard. And what happened? Well, California continued to have legalized medical marijuana, and it, and it expanded. Until today, we have uh, more than half of the states in the country have legalized marijuana for medical use. We have Colorado, Oregon, Washington State, uh, and I believe Alaska have all uh, legalized marijuana recreationally. So this is all in spite of federal law. So what's happened? Well, you know, you never saw the federal government roll the tanks into the street, and the federal government has been virtually powerless to stop uh, the the legalization of marijuana as the states have gotten rid of their laws. And the fact of the matter is, almost 99% of all marijuana arrests happen at the state or local level. In other words, it's your local cops, it's your state police that are arresting people for weed. That means that by eliminating these state laws in these states, you are getting rid of 99% of the enforcement. And to see just how powerless the federal government is, right before uh, the recreational marijuana was, uh, the legalization went into effect in Colorado, the feds did a big crackdown, quote-unquote, on the medical marijuana dispensaries in Denver. And, and most people think it was kind of one of these, we're going to flex our muscles and show you that we're still in charge. So they they did these raids. I think they raided uh, 12 uh, medical dispensaries. And we took the uh, – we didn't do it, but a couple of organizations took the amount of money that it cost them to do these raids, which was like 12 out of the 300 medical marijuana dispensaries that existed in the Denver area. And when you do the math, you find out that it would take almost the entire DEA budget just to shut down all of the medical marijuanas in Denver, one city in one state. 
They simply do not have the resources to enforce marijuana prohibition without state assistance. So simply by saying, no, we are not going to do this, we're not going to cooperate with your prohibition, you can nullify in effect the federal prohibition in marijuana. It's still on the books, but essentially it's been rendered null, void, and of no effect. So you can take this refusal to cooperate, and you can expand it to any number of different issues. Let's take gun control. That's, a, that's an issue that's on the, uh, on the top of a lot of people's minds in the wake of the shooting in Orlando. Well, let's say that uh, the Obama administration, either by executive order or Congress, decides that they're going to pass a law to uh, ban a certain type of weapons or to confiscate assault rifles, whatever in the world an assault rifle is. Well, the, the uh, ATF on its own, there's no way that they can enforce such a ban across the United States. It would require state police, it would require local law enforcement, it would require county sheriffs, all working together to enforce such a ban. If a big chunk of the state said, if you try to enforce it yourself, we're not going to enforce it in our state, well, they would find it almost impossible to make that type of, of prohibition stick. And in fact, the, the state of Idaho has passed a law, and in, in, uh, they will not enforce any future federal gun control. Uh, state and local officials, state and local police, state and local resources will not be used in the state of Idaho to enforce any future federal gun control. So you could do it with guns. You could do it with Obamacare, simply refusing that to implement it at the state level. Uh, the enforcement mechanism, this is a fun little fact, the enforcement mechanism for insurance in Almost every state is your state insurance commissioner. They basically hear all the cases, and you know, if, if somebody's violating the insurance laws, the, the, the state insurance commissioner would be the one to investigate it. Well, if the state basically said, okay, insurance commissioner, you're not going to investigate or enforce any federal aspects of Obamacare. So any of the things that are in Obamacare that affect insurance uh, at the state level, we're not going to enforce that. Well, who's going to enforce it? There isn't anybody. There's no national insurance enforcement agency. They have no way to implement this on their own. So this is the practical uh, application of state power that we're working on at the Tenth Amendment Center to basically roll back and thwart uh, federal authority. And we're working on it on a, on a wide range of issues. I've mentioned those three. Uh, there's also hemp. Uh, there's uh, certain... Uh, EPA rules that the states can refuse to enforce or cooperate with. Uh, there's uh, the, the surveillance state with your uh, your federal spying. A lot of that depends on state and local law enforcement. So all of these things, we're looking for ways to simply remove state action, remove state cooperation from the equation, and use that as a, a powerful tool to push back against federal power. So that's the uh, that's the the nutshell version of what we're doing at the 10th Amendment Center and why we believe it'll work. Okay, well, we have nine minutes left, so we have time. If we go back 10, 15 years, you briefly alluded to this. What what has been the activity on nullification at the state level against the federal government? Let's say if we went back 15 years ago, was there any nullification going on or what's what's been happening? Oh, there, there, was, there was very little. The it's, it's amazing how much this movement has grown really in the last three to four years. I got involved with the 10th Amendment Center 
back uh, about five years ago. And, and incidentally, this is the uh, 10th Amendment Center's 10th anniversary this year. So uh, the, the 10th Amendment Center came into existence in 2006. And uh, so we're, we're excited about ex- celebrating this uh, anniversary. And at that time, there really wasn't anybody even talking about this. And when I got involved uh, with the organization five years ago, we were really excited if we could get a state legislature to pass a Tenth Amendment resolution and by a non-binding kind of thing where they, where they actually acknowledge that the Tenth Amendment Center exists. We considered that a victory. And, uh, and then, you know, three years ago, I could have sat here and, and told you virtually every uh, nullification type of bill that was moving in every state legislature all across the United States. Over the last two years, in the last two legislative sessions, we've seen over 400 bills introduced across the United States pushing back against federal power uh, on a wide range of, uh, of, of issues. You know, I've, I've described many of those already. It's, it's simply amazing. And I think that there is this sense growing among the populace that, you know, the, the way that we've approached politics in the United States really isn't working. You know, we, we call our congressmen, and I don't know if you've ever had the experience, you know, I've called my congressman before. It's basically a waste of 10 or 15 minutes. You know, you talk to some intern that's fresh out of college, and if you're lucky, they might be polite, but, you know, they're liable to be snarky if you're, if you're uh, proposing anything that would be against that person's, uh, person's political views. And then you might get a form letter back, and it may or may not have anything to do with what you actually called about. You know, there's no responsiveness in D.C. to uh, to the American people. Uh, you know, we put our petition on change.org, and we, you know, we trade out George Bush for Barack Obama, and basically we get the same thing. It just keeps on going. Just what you described in the beginning of your show, it's the, the corruption of government. The system in D.C. is broken by itself. So people are looking for alternatives, and I think they're realizing, hey, we have some control at the state and local level. You know, I can call my state representative and actually talk to him on the phone. Uh, I can actually call my state senator, go to my state senator's office, and, and, and get a hearing as an everyday citizen. So people are recognizing that, hey, D.C. is broken. We're not going to fix D.C. by trying to uh, fix D.C. You know, that's, D.C. is the problem. Where we can have some impact is on the local level, and we have this tool at our disposal. Let's utilize it. And I think that's the root of it. People are frustrated. You see that frustrated in, in, on both the left and the right, you know, with, uh, I think, uh, the, the uh, success of Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders are, are kind of a, a tip of the spear reaction to that. But people are recognizing D.C.'s a failure. Let's try something different. And they're seeing that, that we are having some success in these, in these various issues with, uh, with nullification and, and uh, refusal to cooperate. So, hey, let's try it and, and keep it going. Yeah, I uh, go to the. We- I've been to your website, Tenth Amendment Center dot com. I've been there. I've donated money to your organization. Um, oh, thank you. What? What? I've signed up for your email. Getting on your email list, and you know, during legislative sessions, uh, which tends to be at the beginning of the year, you, you know, you send out a fair amount of emails about updates of what's going on in specific states regarding legislation being introduced to push back against the federal government. If somebody wants to get involved and take a proactive action on this, I advise you to go to the 10thamendmentcenter.com. 
they don't just send out emails just to send out emails. They send out e- emails with a specific notice. Uh, they send out an email where they'll give you an update or what is happening in other states uh, regarding nullification movements and pushback against federal government. They talk about model legislation. Could you talk a bit? We have four minutes left. Could you talk about your model legislation and how people can take that and, and, and move forward with it? Yeah, definitely. If you go to the website, uh, you'll actually see on the uh, top pull-down menu a, uh, a button that you can click for model legislation. And you'll see it broken down uh, with, with the various issues that we've been focusing on. And much of this is, is uh, what we've developed on our own along with, with state legislatures and state legislators in various states and, and a little bit by trial and error. And uh, these are basic nullification bills that can be introduced in any state. So they're, they're written in a generic way, and, and the uh, state legislator can actually go in and, and tweak it you know, to fit within the, uh, the, the legal structure of that state. And uh, we hit all these various issues, and it's very important to have people within that state actually propose this to their legislators. In other words, I can call, and we actually do this, you know, we'll email uh, we, a couple of years ago when we started getting involved in the privacy legislation, we found all of the uh, state legislators in the United States that had done something regarding privacy, and we sent them uh, links to the model legislation. But it's much more effective if somebody in that state calls their state representative and says, hey, this is out here. Uh, this is a way we can push back against federal gun control. This is a way we can push back against Obamacare. This is a way we can push back against the surveillance state. Would you consider introducing this legislation? And uh, when they get that phone call from a constituent, they're going to, in all likelihood, uh, be much more responsive than you know some guy from, from L.A. calling them up. So this is an extremely important thing. This is something that any individual could do in any state. In about 10 or 15 minutes, they could have a huge impact on uh, on what's going on in Washington, D.C. So this is a great way to make a difference. So I, I highly encourage folks to check out those issues, check out that model legislation, contact their state senator and their state representative and say, hey, consider introducing this for us. Yeah, another thing that's very good at your website is you you go into certain segments of the U.S. Constitution and give a diagnosis. Evaluation, if you will, to, uh, an interpretation, a meaning to what the Constitution is all about per a specific section, like the tenth of, you know, the Tenth Amendment or the Second Amendment or the Fourth Amendment. Uh, what what is the General Welfare Clause? So, if we want right. to if you want to find out what the Constitution is all about, and a good organization that effectively interprets and tell you what tells you what it's all about, the Tenth Amendment serves a good place to go. Um, and yeah, it's just a good. It's just a great organization. I think it's, uh, you know, people don't necessarily have to call their their local representative. They could actually, you know, request a face to face meeting. I mean, it's it's absolutely. It's pretty easy, you know. Here in Reno, uh, these these legislatures we have they only meet four four months out of every twenty four months, so it's a part time legislature. But they're pretty easy to get to. Uh, they're pretty easy to talk to. It wasn't so much so in California. Um, was a lot harder. Of course, a bigger population, but in in Nevada, it's fairly easy to call up uh, one of our local people and talk with them. Uh, see, and 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 Reno, where we're at, is only basically thirty miles away from Carson City, which is the capital of 
of Nevada, and it's interesting to go down there and see what's going on when they're in session. I've termed it down there in Carson City as kind of like a boiler room operation, but it's <laughs> you still can get to those representatives a lot easier than you can in Washington, D.C. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, it's almost impossible. They're, they're bought and sold back there because you've got million-dollar lobbyist firms that are uh, spending big-time money trying to get some of those taxpayer handouts. And, uh, That's exactly right. <laughs> you know, they're feeding at the trough. That's what it's all about in Washington, D.C. Who has the most yep. money and buying influence. And so, anyway, thanks, Mike. We're down to the end here. And when he said we're down to the end here, he wasn't kidding. There was no warning with that cutoff. So anyway, that's it. Nullification, a way that we can push back against federal power. Well, that's it for this bonus episode of Thoughts from Meharry Head. I really appreciate you listening. If you enjoyed the show, please do me a favor and spread the word and make sure you head over to iTunes and subscribe for free. And send me any thoughts or ideas to michael.meharry at 10thamendmentcenter.com. Thanks, as always, for listening, and I'll talk to you next time.